O God of the living and the dead, help us to wait in faith, hope, and love. Amen. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. So says the psalmist. On all souls we watch and we wait. We name the fact that that idiom that we've all heard that Time heals all wounds is a lie. We acknowledge that grief is never something that we get over. Rather, it is like a scar that reminds us there has been a wound. In a world that does not know how to sit and grieve, on All Souls Day, the church says that such waiting is the holiest thing that we could do. And though the name of this liturgical day is either All Souls or the commemoration of all the faithful departed, we're not really gathering on their behalf. I hope that none of us are here tonight because we are concerned about the state of our dearly beloved. As we heard in wisdom, the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, but they are at peace. We have every confidence that they are held in God's love, which is far stronger than death. You know, one of the laws of thermodynamics says that matter can never be created or destroyed, only changed. Well, likewise, one of the laws of love is that if something or someone is loved by God, it can never be destroyed only changed. The very fact that God loves someone gives that person a reality that is deeper than matter, more enduring than time. For God cannot logically love that which does not exist. And we know that God loves all of us as children. And we know that we do not stop loving our family and our friends when they die. So how much more is this the case for God? The power of God's love is such that even when we have died in the flesh, we remain alive in God. And it is on this ground that St. Paul writes and tells us to encourage one another with these words. Jesus himself says that the hour has come when the dead will hear his voice and live. Now, what exactly happens after we die, I don't know for sure. I've never been on the other side of the grave. But our hope and our confidence is that we will be with Jesus. As Jesus tells the thief crucified next to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now the details of paradise, I don't know. But I know that if we are with Jesus, then all shall be well. Our loved ones who have died rest in the peace and the love of Jesus. They are good. We don't need to worry about them. Rather, it is us who still see through a glass dimly who need All Souls Day. Anytime that there's been a presence of love in our lives, when that presence is turned into an absence, there is grief. And because the absence remains, so too does the grief. I heard someone recently talk about grief as a circle. 
When the death occurs, that circle fills almost the entire sphere of our lives. Grief is all we know and can be all-consuming. But what happens is, over time, like a scar, life grows and expands around the grief, and the sphere of life is enlarged. Now, the size of the grief, though, it doesn't change. It is still just as big as on the day that it happened, but it no longer occupies the majority of our life. But again, the grief never goes away or shrinks. We gather on all souls, longing to have more hope and healing to surround our grief. One of the things I really value about our Episcopal tradition is that we don't do celebrations of life when someone dies. Instead, we have a funeral. Because a celebration of life implies that life has ended. And that is a pagan or secular belief, not a Christian one. A funeral names the fact that life is changed, not ended. And that grief is normal and it is holy. To deny our grief is to deny our humanity. Jesus wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus. In one of his letters, C.S. Lewis wrote that praying for our deceased loved ones is the most natural thing for any human to do. We heard in the reading from 1 Thessalonians that it is in the assurance of eternal and resurrected life that we do not grieve as others do who have no hope. One theologian has said that any fool can see what is dead. But it takes the eyes of faith to see signs of hope and of resurrection. As Psalm 130 proclaims, we watch for the morning, for those dawn rays of resurrection possibility. But for us to watch for the dawn, we have to gather in the dark. We have to go into the darkness of the tomb. Only then are we able to enter, even if it is tearfully, into the joy that awaits us all. At our best, this is what the church provides at a funeral and on all souls. The opportunity to sit in the depths and wait for morning. And so we wait. Now we tend to think of waiting as something we do passively. We wait for the bus. We wait to be called back at a medical appointment. We wait at the carpool line at school. We wait for test results. We wait for a package to get delivered. And the problem with this view of waiting is that it's not biblical. And it leaves us powerless with nothing to do. But waiting in the biblical sense is active. To wait in the language of the psalm means to watch, to guard, to anticipate. When the psalmist says that she is waiting for morning, it's not a thumb-twiddling activity. Rather, it is like a watchman, someone posted on the tower, not only scanning the horizon for signs of danger, but for those first traces of the morning light. So we're not sitting around waiting to die so that we can be reunited with our loved ones. Rather, we are actively watching for signs of the resurrection, anticipating that fullness of life as it is coming on earth, as it is in heaven. When we think of waiting, instead of sitting around, think about a wait staff at a restaurant. They're called waiters and waitresses, but they're not waiting around, right? Only the bad ones sit around doing nothing. <laughs> instead, when we wait, we are actively preparing for resurrection life and being attentive to where it is showing up.
And there are some places where we can fix our eyes to look to, to find that resurrection light. One is in the love that carries on in beloved community of the church. This chapel is full, which is lovely to see, and it means that we never grieve alone. We do not carry our burden of grief alone. The community of the faithful is a sign of our resurrection hope. When we gather for the Eucharist, we partake in a meal that is rooted in the resurrection, which means that the barriers of time and space do not apply to this table. When we break bread in Jesus' name, we do so with all those whom we love but see no longer. The photos tonight help to remind us of that fact. In the Eucharist, we see the light of morning breaking upon our shores. And in the grief and the lament that we still carry, we also find a sign of hope. The grief that we still feel reminds us of that great truth expressed in 1 Corinthians, that love never ends. Morning has already broken, and though we still carry the grief, we are also surrounded by the dawning of resurrection light. May God grant us eyes to see it. Amen. Amen.